Hello everybody and welcome to What Would The Smart Party Do? Welcome to 2017, a year full of promise. Let's put 16 behind us and look forward to what we can do. And we can't do it on our own, we need our good friend Baz. Are you there Baz? Hello mate, I'm here, it's, 2000, it's 2017, that's the way you've got to say it, it's not 2017. You've had 16 years to get used to this now. I'm not down with the kids like you are, you've got a younger generation in your family, I'm, I'm just old and out of touch. True, true. When, when, I, when I say turn of the century, they think I'm talking about uh, the year 1999. It's really odd. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think 1999 was about five years ago. That's where I'm struggling. Oh, it's probably why we keep talking about Earth Dome. <laughs> yeah, it's probably true. Cutting edge <laughs> stuff as usual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, how's it going, Baz? First podcast of the new year. Did you get any nice gaming stuff for Christmas or anything you got your eyes on with your Christmas money? I got loads of great gaming stuff for Christmas like I do every year when I go out on Boxing Day and buy all the stuff that nobody got me off my wish list. The wish list is for your own memory, aren't they? Oh, God almighty. As a grown-up of, of gaming years, I don't know how many years I've had to explain to... Well, when I was a kid, it was always aunts and uncles and interested grandparents. And, and I was trying to ask them to get me a book called Port Black Sand out of WH Smith and that was hard enough let alone trying to find you know a supplement for Everway uh, so bless them <laughs> it, it, this was pre-Amazon I thought Amazon would come along and save my life because I could just do wish lists but people still look at it and I, I guess they assume I've obviously entered all of these things by accident or just like dribbled on the keyboard <laughs> because I go he, I know he's put down that he would quite like what's this again uh, oh, yeah, right yeah I see I see what he's put down but what he must have meant really was cardigan because that, that's clearly what we're going to be getting him. And and if we're lucky, he might get a bottle of something to drink. But there's no way on God's earth he's having this, this so-called... What is that? Is that Shadow Run? No, it doesn't make any sense at all. It must mean Chardonnay. That'll be it. We'll get him a bottle of wine, despite never having seen him drink white wine in his life. These are close friends and family. I love you all dearly, but you don't listen to this podcast. You're all fools. I spend my own money, as usual. How about you, mate? <laughs> Yeah, pretty much the same, Baz. Pretty much the same. Although, uh, Bez did well, my good friend. He, he got me one of the, the latest, uh, the One Ring books, oh. which is good. Nice. Which which means I, I might have to run that at some point shortly, I imagine. It will mean getting the gaming group first, but, you know. <laughs> should have put that on your Christmas list. I should have, shouldn't I? Yeah. Well, yeah. We, we should really talk about plans or, or what's coming up in the new year, and that's probably one of them, actually. I was, I was in touch with Mike Mason, who people know from... Cthulhu fame and such, and being over at Chaosium now, mm. uh, wrangling lots of good products for everybody. But um, we were chatting based on one of the podcasts we just did with Guy Milner, who did Go Play Leads. All right. Uh, if you haven't listened to that podcast, you should go back and grab it because it's good. It's full of a great guest. Um, yeah, so we were sort of saying we should do something in Nottingham. So I think that's my, my first sort of resolution or uh, thing I'm a bit excited about that we might do is uh, getting together with uh, Mike, one of our good old friends, uh, and see if we can do a bit of a Go Play Nottingham or something like that and get some. Get some gamers out of the woodwork, see if we can run some stuff over here. Mm. So, fingers crossed, that'll all work out. Yeah, that'd be nice. I know that um, Mike and Guy and, and yourself as well, you, you just seem to have hit upon, we talked about this in the last podcast, didn't we? But there's like good cafes and game shops who are putting on events these days, and you can just drop by at a weekend to get a game in. Not as, not as all-encompassing as a con. Uh, it doesn't have to be. And you can just drop in and get a game going. So, that might be the way forward, rather than the old time on a tradition of trying to get everyone together on a on a Thursday night around someone's house. Maybe that's the old-fashioned way to play because it's a 
it's easier for those things to fall apart than than pull together a bit, isn't it? Oh yeah, quite. I mean, I quite like the idea as well. I mean, sort of Mike joined me as well in uh, when we created Conquest with, along mm. with uh, a couple of other guys. Um, but that was a lot of work. Whereas if we just going to organise a couple of sessions for one afternoon and people can go home afterwards and nobody has to worry about you know travelling too far or where they're going to stop or anything like that, I think that's a lot less effort for everybody involved, us organising it and mm. people who want to come along as well. So uh, I'm down with trying that out and seeing how it goes. And if it's success, doing another one, but with no you know, pressure to do more really quickly or, you know, create an annual event or anything like that. Hmm. Yeah, cool. I, I don't have that kind of thing planned, unfortunately. I've got my, my weekly home game. <laughs> I call it a weekly home game. Uh, it's more of a home game. Uh, I call it home. It's mostly around someone else's house, and I call it a game because <laughs> mostly it's playing cards because nobody's there. Um, <laughs> so it's that's the ambition for 2017 <laughs> is to maybe have a weekly home game happen at my weekly home game. Um, our oh, real life gets in the way. We're all blokes in our thirties, forties, and beyond now. And um, at the moment, we've we've started a, a new campaign. We're only one session in in the last couple of months. So we are playing good old D and D. We're playing Five uh, E Storm King's Thunder, one of the big hardback campaigns they're doing. And we're one session in. It's being run by our mate Matt, um, who people might know as the uh, co-creator of Guild Ball. Uh, so he shows up in his Porsche from his Kickstarter money every every week. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish he showed up every week. Uh, and his gold-plated D20s. And he's taken us for a really cool <laughs> campaign, actually. So um, it's been great to sort of get characters together. And you know those initial couple of sessions where, where you start doing a bit of world building at the same time and you're sort of bouncing a few ideas off each other and the game doesn't get started because it's at that really cool bit where you're just saying like, all oh, right, so how would we have met in the past and, um, and and what relationship are you to that such and such and who's your villain and your arch enemy? So it's really mm. good. There's loads of little threads have been started and, and I guess the plan for 2017 is to see those continue because knowing Matt, we might be signed up to play a great big adventure party type thing, but I reckon that will last about two and a half sessions before it's rapidly become its own thing. Um, and we'll yeah. have gone so far off script and, and we won't know and we won't care and he'll be freestyling it and I think it'll be, yeah, it'll be good and and I think getting some play hours in this year is, is definitely on the list of things I would like to have happen hmm. Yeah, that's cool I mean, it's one of the things I miss about not having a regular campaign actually, is you could sort of plan a week in advance and then depending on what happened uh, mould the sort of like the adventures you went along almost or the, the arc Mm. Uh, it felt a little bit sometimes like you were in the, the Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones on the, the sort of minecart, rocketing around, would not really know in which direction you're going to go in, depending on what the players did or which lever they pulled. Uh, but yeah, really good fun. So it'd be good to get some regularity and get more games in. That's that's kind of how you get good quality games, isn't it? To a degree, mm. is getting a regularity and getting something built up and a that sort of backstory of knowledge that you've made through actually playing the game yourselves. Yeah, that's where the war stories come from and and my favourite bit about games is is remembering the games that we had. Sometimes better than the actual game itself. I like, you know, the next morning when you wake up and you think, oh, do you remember all those cool things? And then chatting with the guys about it over the coming weeks and months. It, that, that's really cool. It's where the memories are made. Excellent stuff. We'll have to make sure we do more of that. I'd like to get some more online mm-hmm. game going this, this year as well. I think we've discussed before in previous podcasts that it's just tough to get people together. Uh, and quite often online, it seems easy for people to drop out of a game as well, where you don't have to look someone in the eye or 
find them, you know, meet them next week. Uh, and, and I know life gets in the way of stuff like that, but I think I'll, I'll have another renewed drive the early part of this year to try and get some online game going and, and get some different stuff played. Um, things like Blades of the Dark we mentioned, that's been, uh, that should be out properly, so to speak, this year. Uh, um, the new, uh, oh, go on. Well, I, I was going to say I'm excited about Blades in the Dark. That's that's on the list. It's been in the uh, would like to play pile for oh god, it must be coming up on a year. Someone will correct me on this, but it's been in Kickstarter mode for what seems like forever, and it's not. It's moving fairly rapidly as these things go. And I've I'm not I'm not particularly a person who likes to play the playtest stuff. I like to wait for the real deal to land. So I've not really been mm. reading all the updates. I've got it sitting on the hard drive. It's kind of ready to go, but. I feel like it needs, like the opening ceremony at the Olympics, it needs like the books to arrive in the shops <laughs> and for everybody else to be excited before I can start running it. But I'm, I've still got a Jones for it. I'm looking forward to Blazing the Dark, and I reckon online stuff with that could be a really good fit. Yeah, definitely. I think it might even fit Netrunner or something like that as well. You know, you mm. could easily do a sort of high-tech uh, future thieving gang who are thieving data on the internet or something. Uh, but yeah, it's, 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 I've heard good lots of good things about it. What I need is the final version, so the rules don't keep changing, and I don't forget what I'm doing. Yeah, because as I was previously mentioned, I'm old now. I just think it's been written down properly, so I know <laughs> what I'm doing. Or I'll yeah. forget. Yeah, yeah, I know, mate. I know. Yeah, true enough. Uh, but I think online gaming, good. Yeah, definitely want to do some more of that. I think it's probably about managing our own expectations with that. I don't really see any value in saying uh, let's run the Eternal Lies campaign for Call of Cthulhu. We'll be in it for every week for three years. Who's in for that? Because <laughs> you'll get loads of hands up, virtual hands up. Of course you do. But the reality is it's never going to last. So, you know, I think um, the idea of a short slot uh, or running something for maybe four to six sessions, that would absolutely be fine with me. That would be quite nice, actually. Uh, and you could you yeah. get a good sense of the game, can wrap up a decent plot arc and treat it like, you know, season one of something. And it may get renewed. It may not get renewed. It's, it depends on whether it flew or not. So that's probably the way to pitch stuff. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, I've also got things like um, Unknown Armies is uh, is there or thereabouts. And we've got Delta yeah. Green should be finalised quite soon. So there's, there's lots of games that we sort of talked about last year. Mm. They're actually going to come out this year, if you know what I mean. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a bit of getting excited about that. Are there any other games on your radar that you can think of, or is it you know different flavors of D and D? It's all different flavors of D and D. Oh goodness me! <laughs> Even if I was playing Eclipse Phase, it's still a flavor of D and D to me. The way it runs in my head, <laughs> I just I'm polite enough to say the right words at the right time. But really, I'm being a rogue <laughs> in a dungeon. Um, I've got I've got a few things. Uh, there's a couple of little Kickstarters I backed last year. They're, they're, they're well on their way now. So I've got a, a thing called Driftwood Versus. That should be along reasonably soon. And that's very OSR. And it's kind of in the mould of um, Deep Carbon Observatory, uh, stuff that Zach Sabbath does, Maze of the Blue Minotaur, uh, Blue Medusa, sorry. Uh, all of that kind of stuff where it's it's high on creativity um, and it's it's very difficult to describe but I got that on a bit of a whim but I've been really pleased with the updates as they've come along so I'm getting more and more excited at that it's just a bit of a campaign setting really um, and yeah. then I suppose the other thing that's probably quite imminent now is um, a fresh printing of uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics so that's coming my way that was another massive kickstarter Goodman Games are quite good at those they sort of lay on the loot 
Um, and I've gone in quite basic because mm. I'm a bit of a DCC fan, and and, and frankly, I, I like their their stuff to own because it's quite quite pretty, um, and it's just more grist for the D and D mill, really. Um, and what else is there? No, not much, to be honest. I suppose I've I've kind of made a promise to myself this year to probably buy a little bit less and, and play a little bit more. Um, and I'm probably looking to sort of thin down my collection and, and, and try not to just lurch from system to system and constantly be reading stuff in preparation for a game that sometimes doesn't even launch. Um, yeah. And, and I think, you know, it might be time to just blow the dust off something that I know reliably I can run. I suppose in your case, the analogy would be a Savage Worlds game. And just, you know, don't sweat. Mm. Don't sweat the newness. Just bring something cool to to a game that's likely to happen. I think that's going to be my plan rather than waiting for the big release before we start. Yeah, I'm a little bit like that. I definitely want to put together a Cthulhu game or two. Um, I was really excited about it, and then it took ages to land. Mm. And by the time it did, it kind of worn off. You know, the, the, the excitement had gone. Yeah, uh, as it turns to after a couple of years. Uh, but let's say it's sort of come back again now. I've gone full cycle as. As the waves of interest to peak and trough, I think I might get a bit more excited about about Cthulhu, so I might have to give that a bit of a blast. But hmm. um, there's there's one or two interesting things I've seen out there. I don't know whether I really want to go for them, but I might as well mention them. Uh, so one of them is uh, Invisible Sun, which is a, a Monty Cook thing, oh, uh, yeah. which is based on surrealist paradoxes. So I'm not quite sure what that is. But that, that thing in and of itself makes me want to kind of have a go or a look at it at least. Or it probably should make a good read of, I think. Um, although, of course, I'm, I'm a bit wary that his kind of stuff tends to be quite big. And I'm, I've been turned off these like big books at the minute. Mm. Um, but but equally, there's um, his missus, Shanna Germain's done um, or doing Predation, which is a, a setting for Cypher, which is uh, descendants of scientists and explorers who went back in time to study dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think got stuck there. I think that's the sort of high level view of it. Okay. Um, but dinosaur sounds good. Mm-hmm. So it, it might be worth a look. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sort of really going old school, I suppose, is that there's riffs for Savage Worlds. Now, I never yeah. did riffs. I never did. But riffs, everybody actually. talks about it. Mm. But so Savage Worlds makes it easy. But I don't think I don't know if I like it or not. It's like a, an eighties uh, over the top kind of thing, isn't it? But um, yeah, who knows. I might, like you say, if it's something Savage Worlds, I know I can do it. But if it's a nice little book, I might give it a bit of a look. Yeah, um, it's, it's. I'd, I'd be interested just, to, just, to, well, out of curiosity's sake, because I have the same feelings about riffs that you do. Um, it all looks good, and you never hear a bad word about the setting, but you never hear a good word about the system. The trouble is, I've yeah, been, I've been burned before on people's conversions into Savage from game yeah. systems I do know that have ended up in Savage, which is another system I do know, and. Um, it's not even a question of like you know. I mean, I, I disagree with some choices. They, I, I'm struggling to think of conversions that have really done well. Actually, mm. that that aren't from you know, like your Deadlands and your stuff like that, which originated there. Um, certainly, yeah. like stuff like Earthdawn is it's just horrible in Savage Worlds. Actually, mm. sorry, but it was. Yeah, it, it all depends on the size of the book. So I know there's like Interface Zero and stuff like that. It's the size of. Uh, I don't know, Simbarimo, one of the big, one of those big fat books, which mm. leads me to believe it's not going to be great. And from what I've said, it's it's not my idea of a good savage conversion. So I think a lot of it will depend on if it comes out in a little A five book. Uh, I've not, I've only seen it uh, virtually online rather than a physical thing. But if it's small on A five and more about the background and stuff like that, it'll probably be quite good in terms of the touch 
of what they're trying to do with Savage is light touch. Mm. Um, and it's more about the adding the flavour, which is what you're supposed to do with Savage, really, I think. Uh, certainly what the designers had in mind. So we'll see on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pro- then there's things like, if we if we talk about old stuff, Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition is coming out. Is it? Um, so they can have a 5th edition. You can have a 5th edition was about that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> to, to, oh, Overshadow the D&D 5th edition rules, yeah. Did, well, did, uh, I, did I miss the 4th edition? Am, am I not paying enough attention these days? I mean, I, I mean White Wolf was uh, well, massive back in the day, but I, I've lost touch yeah. completely with this. Uh, to be fair, it's still in flux, and it might not make 2017. It might be early 2018 before it turns up. But okay. um, uh, it's, it's one of those things. Uh, and like Earthdome, we've, we've mentioned previously as well, that's due that faster are doing things with... Uh, an 1889 style game and other things so I wouldn't be surprised mm. if the latest edition of Earth Dawn comes out as well although it, it's hard to justify buying more books for that game I can tell you well I mean God knows they've tried enough times with that Earth Dawn now I mean there was nothing particularly wrong with the early editions honestly or just do what you want to do with it but I, I've not been terribly happy with, with Earth Dawn's gestation over the last few years Age of Legend came out last year I know we're supposed to be looking forward but that doesn't seem to have set the world alight particularly um uh, but you know it's a new year, so there will be a new edition of Earth Dawn. Where we try and you know polish that up a bit more and send it back out to try and attract the old sailors. But I think it's had its day. Yeah, low dimension returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what, one that's particularly interesting, I think, because it's uh, one of those indie published games, is Monster Hearts. He's having a second edition, or had one. I think it's out by now. Um, and I know Apocalypse World did last year. They went for a second edition as well. So it'd be interesting to see what they're like. I haven't, because there's so many other things out there. I haven't managed to justify buying a game I've already got mm. to have another look at it. But I am really curious to know what uh, an independent game on a second edition looks like and how that's improved or bettered. Or is it just, you know, a slightly different version like a lot of mainstream games can be? Mm. I'm curious to see if it's just. Um, especially with the internet age and the way that people tend to feed off each other and, and there's lots of uh, community around things like Monster Hearts or Apocalypse World, will a new edition actually be really that much better? Is it going to allow a lot of sort of improvements made by thousands of people who've played lots of games and done lots of actual play reports and all the rest of it and come up with something polished and nice? Uh, or is it just kind of you know, slightly better options or a, a couple of new skins or whatever? Like that That's really interesting to me because, you know, there's so many of the old games when they're in the editions, like, you know, Pendragon and Cthulhu and whatever else that just basically stayed the same. So, will an independent game that's had lots of playtesters and actual play reports be significantly different, or will it just be a slightly polished version of the old one? Yeah, that's a good shout, mate. And I think we can talk about Apocalypse World because although it was kickstarted last year, I think physical copies and books in stores happens this year. So, I've got right, my PDF good. of it as a backer. So, and I've had a good look through it because I've always been Apocalypse curious. Um, never actually managed to play much more than a few kind of little taster sessions and, and enjoyed those for what they were, but always felt like the party was going on somewhere else and I just needed a better host, perhaps. So mm. I think, yeah, second edition Apocalypse World. I am a little bit surprised that the interwebs haven't been taken by storm by this being out. And it, we, we will be in enough hands by now that I would have thought there'd be more chat about it, given the amount of chat the first one generated. But I mm. guess the first one was an innovator, and to answer your question, this one looks like the second edition of a mainstream book, as in it's tweaked, it's revised, it's a bit slimmer in some areas and a bit expanded in others, and it, it's an iteration. It certainly 
it certainly isn't a massive leap sideways or it doesn't it doesn't do anything interesting with a new edition that perhaps you might think something from that ilk might do and i'm not sure what that would have ever looked like i don't know being portrait instead of landscape or something crazy like that i don't know <laughs> but <laughs> it's uh, but it's nice and and i kind of really want to get into some apocalypse world gaming and and after so long that might be the most interesting thing you could do with the apocalypse world engine is to play apocalypse world because that'd be like the edgiest way of approaching it these days because mm. <laughs> it's like 10 yeah. minutes after you bought it everybody else went off and wrote their own game didn't they don't know if anyone actually yeah, played quite. apocalypse world um so yeah i'd like How'd to do a bit of that mm. well one that might be interesting to you i'm not uh, yeah, I'm still not sold on Apocalypse World, so it sounds like a, a potential weekend hell for me. But <laughs> if you like Apocalypse World, uh, the guys that do Furnace Convention in Sheffield and the Garrison, uh, and uh, there's the, obviously Seven Hills as well early in the year, I think there's going to be an Apocalypse World version of that. Mm. Um, so I'd have to find details. They're on the interweb somewhere. But yeah, I think um, that's that's another interesting uh, start. Also, later in the year, the same at the same venue, there's going to be a Savage Convention, which is all Savage Worlds games, which is more up my alley, personally. But that's interesting to so that people are now sort of in the UK anyway, and in sm- a small scale perhaps, are thinking of doing things really focused, like this sort of game system we really like. So we're going to get a bunch of people who all like it to come together on that weekend and just play loads of it. Mm. And I think that's interesting because a, a lot of times recently there's been. Uh, we need lots of different GMs. We need lots of variety. We need different things to play. So it's it's really good, I think, an, an interesting experiment to say we're just going to play this one style of game. Everybody turn up if you want to, and that, to see how that goes will be quite curious. I think things like Pathfinder or D and D have always had an element of that, but for smaller games, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it'll be successful as well because um, your uh, your the, the the basic con that we often go to, which has a bit of a smorgasbord of stuff. There's always a bit of like, you know, what shall I pitch? What shall I play? Who's going to do this? Oh, I see there's already some Star Wars there, so I'd better do some Call of Cthulhu. But my experience of those things is you get, very often, you get a bunch of people at the table who've never played that game before, and actually what you end up running is a demo. There's nothing particularly wrong with that. I quite like running demos, but but equally, um, I think I, I quite like being in games where everybody knows it well enough to to not muck about and you can get straight into the meat of the game you know I'd quite like yeah. the idea of sitting down to play um, 13th Age and look around the table and go right has anyone played this before and everyone goes played it not only that mate I run it every week but let's go we all know exactly what's happening here and, and let's play it more than just you know first level or or you're, you're guarding a caravan no matter what the game <laughs> is you know just throw yourself in at more of the deep end where there's more stuff happening so you know yeah, that would be definitely. good. I'm not saying it's like expert play, but just you know you don't have to you don't have to do a rules introduction for Feng Shui when you go to the Feng Shui convention. That'd be good. Yeah, yeah, it's not expert play; it's experienced play, isn't it? It's Correct. People know yeah. the basics, and you know there's a lot of shorthand and things you can skip over, and hmm. no one has to ask what the options are or you know how you spend a fate point or whatever. It's just known. So hmm. yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I like the idea of it a lot. We'll have to see uh, see what comes of it. I think. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Is there any uh, apart from Savage Worlds and Apocalypse World stuff, which are which are, are kind of generic in a sense? Anyway, do you think there's any games out there that would would merit a convention of their own that they don't have at the minute? Uh, I think you know. I know that Amber has some stuff like that going on in the states. That might not get such a big run out here, but uh, and I think there's a Travcon, and I think there has been for a while actually. I've never there is, yeah. That. Yeah, so and there's there's an Ambercon in Ireland as well, I think. Oh, or somewhere is like that? that. Okay. So I'm sure in the British Isles there's one somewhere. Yeah, 
Mm. I mean, even think there's an Oz Magica one somewhere. Yes. I so it's quite, right. mm-hmm. you know, I mean, and I think you have to kind of be in the know. You have to really like the game to find out about it, to go and play it. So that, that gives you the sort of experience that you were talking about, that everyone there mm. really likes the game, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they, they've seemed quite isolated. It's, it's, so it's nice to see it being a bit more uh, widely embraced, I guess, is what I'm, what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I'm sure there's plenty of other games that where you could get people together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's your uh, what's your con going plans for the year if you've made them yet, mate? Oh, I don't know. It's too difficult to tell. Um, I've got my netrunner stuff, so that always interferes these days. Although mm. I've not been to any store championships yet, there's some coming up. But um, yeah, Seven Hills, which were mentioned, and, and Savage, kind of if I can make it later in the year, uh, Ogre Furnace, they're all good ones because they're, they're relatively near to me anyway in Sheffield. They're always good value. Um, I suppose one of the big major ones is um, Games Expo, which is getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, uh, and this year it's holding um, the FFG European Championships. Oh. So, as well as everybody else who normally comes to that, I would expect to see quite a few people from the continent making a bit of a trip over to play some X-wing or Star Wars or Netrunner or Destiny or whatever else. One of the many other myriad games there are. So, if anything else, I expect that to be bigger and better than last year. Mm. Uh, how about yourself? Are you going to Expo? Are you going to give it another go? You, went, you just went for a day trip, didn't you, last time? Yeah, day trip last time. Might do similar this time. Genuinely, haven't decided yet. I'll probably leave it to the last minute, like always. In fact, all the cons I went to last year, I decided to go the day before. <laughs> there was that. Um, well, I've got one. I've got one con booked in uh, for April, which is a brand new convention. Um, it's done by the uh, the motley crew of Chelmsford role players, Chelmsford Nessex, where I live. Um, this I've talked about these guys before. None of them know each other, um, <laughs> but they've managed to generate a convention out of thin air. Um, and it's, it's kind of what I would call a large pub con. So it looks like there's going to be uh, five or six tables uh, running all day. So morning slot, afternoon slot, evening slot. And uh, I think there's slots for about 40 people to play at once. And there'll be like, you know, people just sort of chilling. And no trade stand to speak of. It'll be a bit like a go play type event. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it because it's been organized in a really unusual way, I think. They probably don't think it is unusual, but it does. It looks unusual to me in that it's all done via Facebook, and it's been incredibly well organised from that perspective. Because as soon as you get given your table and the players have signed up for it and bought their tickets via events, you then get little Facebook messenger groups for your table. So our tables are chatting to each other three months before the game starts. So nice. we're going to know each other pretty well, and we're talking about what kind of characters we'd like to have and. You know, the GMs are, are getting busy with their pre-gens and their campaigns, and it's kind of being built to order, which is really unusual. That's um, really cool. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's super smart. So, you know, I've got a character for my evening game, and I know what it is already, three months out. And mm. I've committed to run a couple of games as well, which have been done almost by request. So, you know, the, the players have all said, what would they like to have run at this convention? And people have said, okay... Uh, does, does anybody know how to run Fate? And I stupidly said, well, I, I know how to do Fate. So they said, cool, can you do that for a two-hour demo slot? I said, yeah, cool, no worries. What do people want to play? Um, and it's, <laughs> it's a really weird one, this. And I think this might be my plan for the new year. I've, I've come up with a bunch of scenarios based on the premises you get in board games. So you right. were talking about Expo a minute ago. Mm. And... One of the things I loved about Expo last year was if you are into hobby games that come in big boxes, whether Euro games or the American style or whatever, the world was your oyster. I could not believe how much stuff was on display. 
And one of the nice things about board games is you can pitch them really, really easily to people, the premise of the board game. And if you just take that pitch and then apply a role-playing system to it of your choice, like Fate Accelerated or Savage or whatever, you've basically got a really good one-shot and you've probably got some kit in the box that you can help play the game with. So I'm running Fate Cowboys, but I'm doing it based on Cult Express. And nice. the scenario of Cult Express is there's a whole bunch of bandits <laughs> robbing a train. <laughs> and, and we're going to have the train okay. and we're going to have the characters. And, and it's just, you know, that pitch off the back of the box about, you know, there's a marshal looking after the strong box and the five of you riding up behind the train on horses and you've got to fight your way through the carriages and through the dining car and the rest of it. And then Indians attack. And it's like, that'll get me through four hours. There's a perfectly good game there. And I'm going to call it Colt Express, and it's going to have Colt Express stuff on the table. Nice. So taking the visuals of board gaming, but playing a role-playing game out of it, you could probably apply that to a bunch of stuff. Probably not Settlers of Catan or Carcassonne, but now I'm thinking of it, you probably could. Um, but, there's, but there's a, a bunch of cool Goes stuff. like Costa Rica and the old coffee bean farmers or something. Yeah, well, why not? It turns some people on, doesn't it? So, I'm sure you could have a good relationship drama about it if you made it Monster Hearts. Yeah. Actually, do you know what? It's not that bad a plan. Because <laughs> that's the thing is, mate. I mean, you know you know me of old, right? It's like I don't have any trouble doing role-playing, no matter what the game is. Um, I can role-play my way around the Monopoly board if I'm pressed. It's not a problem for me, and I usually do. I end up speaking in a funny accent if I'm playing Ludo. It's quite peculiar. So <laughs> even if I'm playing something that's reasonably abstract, um, and I play loads of games like that over Christmas with the family, it was really good for board gaming, actually. Um, lots of different things if I'm playing Ticket to Ride for example um, I have no trouble whatsoever getting into the kind of the character of it and um, and that's easy for me and sometimes I wish there was a role playing system to go along with all of the cool little toys that I've got at my fingertips so that's yeah. my convention and one shot running plans can't do that online but is to is to smoosh together some of that board game aesthetic with the, the role play you can do anything not just take one of these three actions on a little card uh, I think that yeah, might have some yeah. legs. No, that sounds really cool, Buzz. Yeah. Well, well, let us know how it goes. We should do a podcast about that. Yeah, we should. No one will listen. If only, we, if only we knew a good one. Yeah. I think apart apart from that, uh, my other thoughts were that I, I need to go abroad again some more. So uh, definitely to the Kraken in Germany, which is good. Uh, Sandy Peterson's turning up again, and you know uh, the the engine's starting to roll already on that one, but that's, that's an excellent con. I get to throw some axes as well, so that helps. Um <laughs> But the one I missed last year, because there wasn't really a lot of buzz about it, but uh, I was a bit sad once I saw pictures of it happening, was uh, Condemned, which is run by a bunch of Dutch guys. Uh, oh. And they basically just yeah just take over a gaming pub. So 11 months of the year, it, there's just like little old guys there buy half an Amstel and play some chess for or backgammon for like four hours, and they make very little money. And then one, one weekend every year, a lot of English people turn up and spend more in a, you know, a weekend than they normally get in a month. So they were very sceptical of role players at first, but after one of those, uh, they soon came round to the idea. In fact, they had to send people out on a moped to go and get more booze because we'd drunk it all. So um, <laughs> not that you have to drink to go there, because there, there, there were uh, there were several people there who are teetotal. But that, just a really relaxed sort of like weekend away, uh, I think I need to do that. So it might be worth looking around and seeing what other international conventions there are. I know there's um, several others in Germany, for example, and I know uh, France has... Shimaradres, if I pronounced that correctly, probably not, uh, in a French chateau and things like that. So th- there's all kinds of things going on in Europe that are perhaps not that 
au fait with, to mm-hmm. steal a bit of French. Um, but getting across <laughs> to Europe's that easy these days. Uh, it's probably worth doing. So, yeah, definitely writing to the show, anybody out there who's got a, a, a foreign to English people convention that we should go to, because I fancy spreading my wings a bit and uh, getting some foreign gaming going in with different people. I think that's a top plan, mate. Anywhere you can order beer by the moped is the kind of place that I would like to frequent. That's where I want to live, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know how long we're going to be allowed to be in Europe, so like, you know, organise it quickly now while I can still get there on my free passport. Well, there's always Scandinavia. That that was like, you know, Ooh, one yes. of the, the big yeah. hits of the last couple of years, and, and they seem to be punting out some really pretty games, and, you know, not whilst well, not always to my taste, I'm, I'm still... I still stand in awe of the Scandies and the way that they're producing some amazing kit. And I know very little, well, next to nothing about the Scandinavian role-playing communities. And it's a little hop across the pond. Um, and the idea of like log cabins and long dark nights equals role-playing to me. That sounds like a, yeah. like a whale of a time. So, yeah, I wonder if there's mileage to be had in that direction, seeing as we were not going to be able to get through the Eurostar for too much longer. Yeah, I definitely think so because um, I know from my card gaming experiences and you know getting top eight in Nordics a couple of years on the run, you, you've got the Danes, Swedes, and Norwegians, and they all speak slightly different languages. So mm. they all speak English to each other because that's the common one they've got amongst themselves. So <laughs> uh, definitely from us already, that that definitely plays a, a great advantage. You can just go over and everybody in inverted commas speaks English. So yeah, well worth investigation, Baz. We should do that. I'm going to yeah. look. Good. Okay. Right. So there's all of that. Um, what have we got on the because uh, gaming is as much about creating as it is about anything else as much as it is about buying stuff and going on holidays so have you got any juice in the tank for writing projects uh, stuff you fancy maybe having a crack at this year any any wild claims you want to make in January that we can laugh about next December no I think I'll just make some vague claims <laughs> and I can deny that there's ever anything on the cards at all um yeah, I was talking about um, yeah, so writing our game for a specific setting with a, a good friend of ours, actually, who shall remain nameless, mm-hmm. since we've just talked about it drunkenly over Skype over Christmas, really. That's about as far as we got. But um, yeah, I'd like to write a little game. Um, I think with the way that indie publishing is these days, you can just write something quite specific for the way you'd want to play a game mm-hmm. and publish that, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't cost that much, so it doesn't matter too much if no one else wants to play it or buy it, for that right. matter. Uh, but it'd be nice to put something together. So uh, we'll see. It depends on you know work and other activities and all the rest of it. But uh, at the minute, I am quite jonesed up for just writing something that I'd like to play, if you know what I mean. And it's not like the old days. We had to worry if you printed 2,000 copies that people would buy them. Otherwise, you're going to end up with lots of boxes in your spare room for the rest of your life. Um, mm. You can just produce something and PDF it. And if nobody buys it, well, all you've lost is a bit of time. But if you've made a game that you want to play anyway, it doesn't fucking matter, does it? Correct. Yeah, correct, mate. Uh, yeah, How about you, Baz? Uh, yeah, similar. Um, I, I, I say this every year. I've always got a few writing projects, and mostly they just stay as little draft outlines in Google Docs. But I've been busying myself over the last couple of months, and I think I've broken the back of, of my own game, finally. Um, I've had a few stabs at a few things over the years, and most of the time it go, kind of goes off the rails because I spend too much time looking at what other people are doing. And I either get massively inspired by it and I want to then change everything and have it look more like this new thing I've discovered. Or I get massively demotivated because I look at it and think, that's so good, why do I even bother? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's no fun being a consumer sometimes. So in my consume less, create more kind of mantra for the year, I've prepped myself up by, by just finally digging in 
and and writing the game that I would like to play. And it's been a really interesting experience because I really am writing it for an audience of one, which is myself. And on that basis, I think it's it's probably going to come out a little bit unique if I publish it in that, although it's perfectly understandable for anybody else, I've written it in the tone where it's pretty much as if I were explaining a new game to you or to one okay. of our loyal listeners. So it makes absolutely no pretense whatsoever that you this is your first RPG. And in fact, it makes no pretense whatsoever that this is even your 10th one. This, this <laughs> relies on the fact that you know damn well what we're talking about. And, and I talk in a really conversational manner. It's, it's sort of typed up as if I'm chatting like I am now. And mm. like I'm not writing you the rules of the game, but explaining the rules of the game to you like you would down the pub. And okay, it's yeah. full, of, yeah. full of stupid examples. Um, it's, it's, it's just it's made for people who already game. And trying to write in that tone has been actually quite difficult, but it's been quite illuminating as well. It is amazing how many words you have to spout to try and explain initiative from scratch to someone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and when and when you realise that you don't have to do that, and you can just go, "These are my initiative rules: colon and then spread them out," then yeah. you you realise actually what a massive effort it must have been over this last thirty years for people to write combat chapters. I mean, my mm-hmm. stuff's going to be reasonably trad. Don't get me wrong. It's going to have combat chapters and equipment chapters and spell lists and all that kind of stuff. But my word, there's some heavy lifting to do. There's some sweat you've got to go through if you're trying to write a new player's handbook. So I stopped doing that immediately and just and just wrote my draft for me. And that was a better a better game than the rest of it. So the plan is for that one. It's, it's nearly there for its first draft. Um, I will do a little bit of play testing, but really I'll just play it um, and then go back to it and tinker after I played it. It's not really going to be that rigorous. Uh, it's in a pretty good nick. It's, it, I think it's got some unique stuff in it, which people will either absolutely love or they will just think, well, this is ridiculous. Why on earth have I paid even a dollar for this? And that's absolutely <laughs> fine, but it's quite freeing to not try and do something popular. But it would definitely, <laughs> yeah. definitely, definitely get a really good Marmite reaction um, and then I've, uh, I will be brave enough to put it out there and, and all the people I've ever given anything less than stellar reviews to can have their revenge and they can come on our show and tell us why I don't know what I'm talking about. And that'd be great. Yeah, and I'll thoroughly agree with them. <laughs> of course you will. Of course you will. This is <laughs> it's written with you in mind, but not in a way that you would enjoy it. <laughs> There's chapters where I can see your face going purple, that's for sure. <laughs> It sounds a little bit like me and Jules with movies, and that if I give a really bad review of a movie, he knows he'll love it. So yeah. that's, that, that's how he picks his next film to watch. Is something I've just ranted about saying it's awful. Yeah, so totally. Say, yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly, mate. No, it's, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's a real experience. I recommend it to anybody. But um, but yeah, I've definitely I've gotten over that those first few hurdles with you know we, you know it's more than just a started project, and now it's actually something that might come together, um, and it is quite exciting. It's quite terrifying as well. Writing mm-hmm. adventures and stuff is is kind of cool. I quite like writing adventures. I don't do it very often. Writing rules is, oh man, it's hard. It's it's like trying to be good at fiction and good at explaining things all at the same time. And it's a, it's yeah. a tricky art, really tricky. And I, I, I kind of have a newfound respect now for people who do write their own games from scratch. And I look at something like the work that Luke Crane does with Burning Wheel 
and it, it just amazes me how he got the words out of himself and onto paper, let alone made it look so pretty and made mm, it all work. Yeah, yeah. It's just a huge effort. It's like running a marathon on your typewriter. Um, ask your parents' kids. <laughs> <laughs> What's a typewriter, Uncle Buzz? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I did discover, um, strangely enough, like this whole conversational tone thing came from, um, from, <laughs> from dictating into my phone on a Google sheet with a microphone. You can just speak and the words come up on the screen. And then they look like you've spoken them. And I thought, actually, that looks all right. So that's where it came from. <laughs> so I've got to keep no, that, yeah. Still down with the kids. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Still getting over the Christmas lurgy. Mm, yeah, tell me about it. It's right. Um, so, yeah, there's quite a lot of other uh, big companies producing stuff still, aren't there? So mm-hmm. people like Modifius, for example, if that's how you pronounce it. I've pronounced it Mephidius for years until I had to write it down once. Then I realised I had my D and the P the wrong way round. I thought it was Mephidius. Like, there used to be a snake, an undead snake called a Mephidius from White Dwarf yeah. back in the day. But it's not. It's Modifius, isn't it? When you, yeah. It's one of those words you've never said it out loud, so you never knew what it sounded like. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's one we touched on a little while ago, but they're doing um, a Star Trek game. Yes. Um, so I'm interested to see how that goes. More in terms of can you play different types of Star Trek sort of thing? Will it be able to handle you playing either the original series or mm. Deep Space Nine or whatever else you, you want to do? Because they're all very different styles of stuff. So that's one thing I'm looking forward to perhaps seeing more of if it happens mm. in the new year. It's people bringing out a game, but then being able to play it in different modes depending on uh, what your preferences are. So kind of like you said that your your game will be a bit Marmite or whatever. Mm. It'll be interesting to see if the, the more the mainstream guys can produce games that then have different uh, ways you can change it or jiggle it about a bit to suit different requirements because that's going to be a way of getting a wider audience, hasn't it? Yeah. That everybody wants to play a game slightly differently. So if you build that into your game as a default, like you've got different settings or whatever or different uh, modes of play, then that's going to help it out, I think. So I'll be interested if more of that comes along. That'd be interesting to see. Yeah, that's a good shout, mate. Uh, D&D 5th Edition tried that. Um, I think with varying degrees of success, they wanted people to be able to play it in um, in a previous edition of their choice, style-wise. Uh, I don't think they've really pulled it off where you've got like a, an OSR freak next to a 4E fan sitting around the same table, but you could definitely you could definitely run it in one of those styles and get a group to, to, to sing off the same sheet. And although I'm no massive fan of Star Trek, I just don't know it well enough. I mean... I'll probably get shot for this, but I quite like the Abrams movie, the reboot. I really enjoyed that. I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, and the original stuff, I just remember from being a kid and seeing it and not being a massive fan, but I could, even I can see that those are two totally different ways of, of telling your Star Trek stories. <coughs> yeah. and, and if you if you didn't cater for that and you offered to run Star Trek at a con and had one of each of those show's fans sitting down, (laughs) well, I don't suppose there'd be a fight, but it would be painful, wouldn't it? I mean, one of them would walk away very disappointed, probably both. (laughs) Yeah, the last thing you want is one from each of the different series that are on your table, then someone from the movies. Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not good. But no, Modifius are churning stuff out, mate. They've done so many things. I feel like massively behind the curve again because I'm trying not to collect too much stuff. But I see their stands at things like Dragon Meat and their stand is like 60 feet long now and it's covered in new games. Um, everything from like uh, the the Airfix 
World War Two game, which is like looks super cool to Mutant Year Zero and all of this kind of stuff. There's absolutely loads of it. Mm. Not played it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I suppose the other one that could be more prolific, we'll see, is uh, the Star Wars kind of lines. Because mm-hmm. uh, you know, Rogue One. I presume you've seen it now as well, yeah. have you? Totally. Yeah, really good film. Yeah, that's uh, much more like a role playing game than many of the other Star Wars films. If you know, correct, what I mean. correct. I'm not spoiling it for anyone who hasn't, but yeah, you know, a band of uh, ne'er-do-wells kind of fighting against a, an, an empire in a bit more of a down and dirty kind of way. It really does feel like, um, yeah, adventure if you know what I mean. So Correct. I could definitely see more of that sort of stuff coming out from the, the RPG writers. We'll have to see. But um, yeah, it's just a shame that my good friend Bez doesn't like Star Wars because it's for kids, apparently. So uh, I'm not playing uh, that. <laughs> Well, He'll happily be yeah. an elf, but he won't, he won't play Star Wars because that's childish. <laughs> Love it. Um, <laughs> it's, interesting enough, I mean, again, looking back at last year, I was pitching a few games to my group on a few different occasions. So we're all Star Wars fans. I mean, well, who isn't? And, and we kind of, yeah. we were pitching the idea of what campaign should we do, and we came up with Star Wars. Uh, we never got it off the ground, actually. We went with something else in the end. But we, we all decided that we could do Star Wars, and we played loads of Imperial Assault. That was kind of our go-to game when we couldn't get a role-playing game. Yeah, going. yeah. Um, and you know, and we all rock up in Star Wars t-shirts because we're of that age. And and I'd run the guys previously through some of the Edge of the Empire stuff with all the funky dice, and that went down pretty well. We enjoyed that. And, and watching Rogue One really made me think about the Age of Rebellion, which is the second set of Star Wars stuff. Yeah. yeah, Fantasy Flight have done like three Star Wars variants, I suppose, a bit like the 40k ones. And I think Age of Rebellion is the one where you are basically soldiers or rebel fighters. And, and, and that looked really cool. And watching Rogue One has absolutely made me want to get that out of storage and have the guys mm. be that kind of thing. I'm less interested in lightsabers and way more interested in, in dirty leather jackets and blasters. And that, that, was, that was definitely yeah. not for me. I thought it was really good looking stuff. Desperate to play yeah. now. I'm down with that. The kind of lightsabers I want is when the bad guy turns up and he's got a red one and everybody yeah. pees the pants and tries Correct. just to work out how the hell they're going to get out of that situation. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but funnily enough, after watching Rogue One, I went back and watched The Force Awakens as well on uh, at home. Uh, and I thought, speaking of Star Trek, which you were a minute ago, there's two very different flavours of the same universe. And I kind of yes. like them both, actually. And, mm. and that again is one of the things that you just have to get right at the table don't you but um force awakened looked like it it had been made with extra colors after rogue one Uh, (laughs) yes and and it was like um and it's like everybody had speech bubbles that you couldn't see it it just i'm not saying it was cartoony oh maybe i am i suppose but it's quite a different flavor yeah just totally different um but Mm. equally cool um so yeah i loved all of that and and I, I, yeah, I think perhaps it might be time to get some Star Wars stuff out this year. Actually, mate, that that'd be really cool because Fantasy Flight are just very, very good at that stuff, and um, and my bank balance keeps on leaning towards them for other reasons too. So I might as well go all in. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Buy some shares while you're at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why not? So, so what do you think's uh, in store for D and D in the new year? I've not heard much about any kind of new activities because I don't really follow that closely. Have you heard anything that's coming up that's going to be exciting? Twenty seventeen for D and D. Oh, D and D's in a funny place at the moment, uh, but it's well a funny place for for funny reasons, I suppose. D and D is really not an innovator 
and and it never really was i suppose but at least over the course of most of its lifetime it was it had an eye on the new usually a new edition (laughs) (laughs) wait a couple of years and you'll get a new edition and and in fairness those editions change things up and you know fourth edition was definitely an innovation if nothing else fifth edition of which i am a fan is taking a deliberately more conservative with a small c approach to things and its release schedule definitely mirrors that so they really bring out like two books a year now when you consider that if you were into D&D when it was owned by TSR at this stage of, of advanced Dungeons and Dragons you probably could have had in excess of 100 books easily um, and I think I do have in excess of 100 AD&D books <laughs> and third edition carried on that trend and fourth edition I've got about four feet of shelf space devoted to that and fifth edition you could probably fit it mostly into a shoebox um, wow. I quite like that approach. I do, uh, and they're they're leaning on some third parties to do their adventures. They're keeping the mechanical stuff really, really light. Um, they hardly release anything that way. They do a bit on the website, and there's some stuff coming out now where they're starting to stretch their legs a little bit. But the next big book that's coming out is a compilation of I think seven old classic adventures from Tomb of Horrors to White Plume Mountain to some stuff from Third Edition. And they're just putting together old-style adventures with 5th edition stats. Right. And I think this is because the Wizards of the Coast D&D team is about four or five people strong at the moment. Mm. Certainly, the probably the role-playing department of Fantasy Flight Games is bigger on man wow. and woman power. Um, so Wizards of the Coast are, are really... I think they're playing it quite smart. They've got a great IP... There's always a chance of more video games, T-shirts, films, and all that stuff down the pipe, and and it, and it, that stuff will get better and better. Um, but they're 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 keeping their powder dry on the role-playing line, and I think they're doing they're doing good stuff, and they're being quite clever about how they release it. It's um, it's they're keeping it alive by having slower breaths, I suppose might be the way to put it. But it's something right, okay. that you could jump onto. You know, if you wanted to get into D and D today, you would you would go down to your game shop and you would still see Player's Handbook or the starter set, and it's as valid now as it was when it came out over two years ago at this point. And that's something wow. you could never say about old editions because you would you'd be looking at four different Player's Handbooks and mm. so many bits and pieces that you couldn't get into it. So I think they've done a really good job of making it evergreen. But it does mean that if you're a compulsive collector. What you have to do, and this is the really clever bit, is go and pick up the old stuff, which they release through D&D Classics Online. So they've been busy making everything ever available again, and it's reasonably compatible. So as a 5th edition DM or player, you've got access to 40 years worth of kit. And that's quite clever, because then they don't have to have a staff of 20 people to write it. So it's, it's an interesting move, and... What's probably going to be more interesting is seeing what Paizo do with Pathfinder over next year. Um, Starfinder is on the horizon, so they're going to go sci-fi. Um, right. They've they've said a million times they won't do second edition Pathfinder. I I doubt they'll be able to keep to that commitment forever. Um, and I think they've settled at this stage. It's a real big lull at the top of the D&D tree between whether people are going to go Pathfinder or 5th Edition. And I think 5th Edition might be winning. Mm. So I, I think Paizo are going to have to do something if they want to. And they'll never get a shot at 
a license like they did for Pathfinder again, so they're going to have to be quite clever. What would be really interesting is see them do 5th edition material. And they haven't yet, but they could, as anyone can, and you've got to ask yourself what would happen if they did. Um, and I don't know the answer to that. So as, as usual, being a and d fan is full of fun because you've got no real <laughs> idea what's going on. And at best, you've got, you know, you've got an educated guess and you're probably doing it from a position of a probably entrenched position on where you prefer your gaming to be at. So, <laughs> so who knows, mate? <laughs> no, I think that would be cool to see Pathfinder do some fifth sort of uh, adventures that might bring the two tribes together in a certain way. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be outliers who will rage on both sides, but yeah, it'd be cool to see the, uh, it's almost like two divorcees getting back together and uh, for the sake of the family, who knows? Well, yeah, it's it's true. Man. I mean, all of the innovation, and this has been true for a little while now, has, has been going on in the OSR. I think that's going from strength to strength. There's more and more stuff coming out from those guys, uh, published yeah. in still really good, interesting ways. Um, you know, just take for a very quick example, a notification I saw in my Google feed today is Raphael Chandler's put all of his stuff on his website for pay what you want or free. And at the price of free, his stuff is hands down the best stuff you can get. It is yeah. unbelievably good for whatever money you wanted to pay for it. And mm. But that is absolutely at the heart of the best of the OSR is it's got some amazing kit. And there's this bizarro... Well, I, I love it because it's great for me as a consumer, but people don't like charging for stuff in the OSR. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, you look at stuff like Maze of the Blue Medusa, and that's as good a production value as you would ever see in a book, worth every penny. You look at stuff like Deep Carbon Observatory by, by the same author, actually, and it's ramshackle, but it's got more ideas in a single page um, than, than Palladium managed in 20 years of publishing. It's absolutely yeah. incredible stuff. Um, and there's some dross as well. Don't get me wrong. There's some real OSR landfill, but that's always going to be true when you yeah. when you let the fans go mad with the word processor. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> still some incredible stuff out there. And um, you know, Deep Carbon Observatory should get a sequel this year, and I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, one that I've not uh, to go slightly off a tangent again. Um, I've not tapped up my contacts in GW recently. Have you had any rumours about what's happening with their license for Dark Heresy, that kind of stuff? Because no, that's not um, going to sit with FFG anymore. So that's right. Uh, that that was quite a big piece of news, really, because uh, FFG have, have quietly become like you know the <laughs> they do everything and everything they do is really good. Um, and I, I suspect it's probably quite good for them in the long run because then they won't be shackled to somebody else's IP and they can take their stuff the way forward that they want to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all, all my old contacts in GW and all the old hobbyists that I still hang out with, they are they have, I've never seen them all so happy. Um, it's like their company has started doing stuff they like. Um, and if you can't, if, if a Games Workshop fan can't find something to bitch about with Games Workshop, they must be doing something, right? They must be packaging tenors in with the blister packs or something. <laughs> <laughs> these guys are relatively happy. They're getting really uh, good IP. Of. I know. Uh, like Blood Bowl's back out again, and all the specialist games that, that never made Games Workshop any money, which was the common sense in the boardroom when I was there, they're back yeah. out on the shelves, and guess what? Making shit loads of money. Uh, mm. You know, Warhammer: Age of Sigmar has survived its first kind of um, its first kind of turn around the block. Uh, 
where everybody was trying to shoot it down, but that's still going ahead merrily. They're trying all kinds of new stuff. The, the sense I get from the people who know about these things is, they, is they've got gamers back in charge instead of accountants. Easy to say. Nobody really knows what that means, I'm sure. But yeah. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them take a, take a, a great big step back into the wider world um, they do seem to be more interested in getting to grips with the community and maybe being a bit more of a, a friendly player with the outside world rather than the isolationist. Um, mm. We will see, but it's a really good time to be into GW at the moment if you've got the money. Um, and they always have made the best toys. I, I, I stand by that. They do make the best toy soldiers. Um, and they've had some competition in recent years and I think it spurred them on and they make even better ones now. Yeah. So it'd be interesting, mate. I, I don't know what they're going to do with their IP. Nobody really does, but it will be interesting, whatever it is. Yeah. Oh, well, I might have to have a roll down to Warhammer World. It's just down the road from me, so I might have to go and stick my nails mm. up and see what's going on down there, actually. Yeah. Always interesting, yeah. that kind of stuff. Cool. Well, that's quite a year ahead of us then, mate. If we do half of that stuff or see half of that stuff appear, I think we're going to be busy for podcasts because uh, the thing we haven't discussed yet is plans for the podcast, and I've still got plenty more to say. Don't know about you. Yeah, well, you know me. I'm a shrinking violet, but uh, I'm sure you'll tempt some words out of me every now and again. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'm sure I can think of something to say. Um, yeah, so, listeners out there in Radio Land, if you've got plans or something cool that we should be looking at, a new game, a convention, something you're doing, drop us a line. Hit us on the forums. Hit us on G+. Hit us on Facebook. Wherever you want to. Uh, and let us know, because we want to talk about new cool gaming stuff that's happening. We've had uh, Go Play Leads last year, and we had some of the writers on, like uh, Dr. Mitch and those sort of people. So if you've got cool ideas or something new or exciting or interesting or different for 2017, do let us know, and uh, we'll get you on the cast, maybe, and uh, you can shout to the world about it and literally both of our listeners will uh, be uh, more informed than they were before. Uh, that's true. <laughs> and double bonus experience points if you can figure out iTunes. Sorry, listeners, we're still <laughs> on it, I promise. <laughs> I think we're up to date with iTunes at the minute. We're doing all right. Well, I don't know. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you on the other side of the next one. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye for now.